Hey there, welcome to Thrivers, nonprofit leadership for the next normal. I am your host, Tucker Wanamaker, the CEO of Thrive Impact, and our mission is to solve nonprofit leader burnout. Burnout is the enemy of creating positive change, and we want to connect you with impactful, mission driven leaders so that you can learn to thrive in today's nonprofit landscape. And today's guest, we have a guest today, and I am so over the moon excited to have you on here, Dr. Cynthia Whitaker. Uh, thank you so much for being on here. Before she says something, I just want to celebrate. I want to celebrate you, Dr. Cynthia. Uh, I, I should just call you Cynthia. What, what, what should we call you? Cynthia, whatever. Dr. It's C. all good. You we can call you call like five me. different things. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to celebrate you that your nonprofit, uh, which is Greater Nashville Mental Health, a community mental health organization in New Hampshire, won Nonprofit of the Year by the Greater Nashua Chamber of Commerce. So, hey, yeah. congrats on that. That was incredible. What an incredible feat. Yeah, thank you so much, Tucker. And for ha- for that to have happened during this process was um, was quite interesting and cool. I was excited about it. That's awesome. Well, and what's awesome about this, and this is where we're going to go into the story, is you've been with Greater Nashua uh, since 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've, you were uh, just a year and a half ago, not all that long ago, were named the CEO. And so... This is a this is a, a really a celebration, of course, of your team and the board, and but really of your leadership. Um, but it hasn't always been, you know, nonprofit of the year of sorts. And and so what we wanted to do, and for those of you who are listening, Cynthia just mentioned the process. Uh, you know, we just had a four part uh, podcast on the four main pieces of strategic planning that we believe nonprofit leaders need to lead in live into. And we just went through a strategic planning process through everything that we just taught on in those episodes uh, with Dr. Cynthia and her whole organization in, in uh, Greater Nashua. And so I wanted to get into the story, like what has led up to this particular process? And when you became CEO a year and a half ago, what were you charged with? What were some of the pains that you were brought on to address? What was the board saying, all right, you're on, but we need you to tackle this? What was what was really going on a year and a half ago in Greater Nashua Mental Health? Yeah, it's it's interesting to reflect back on on that because you know certainly the past few months have been um, have been more positive and sort of think back. Well, what were those challenges? Um, well, we had just kind of started the COVID nineteen pandemic, so that was a piece of it. So the agency was a little bit in upheaval because of that. Yeah. Um, but even prior to that, um, the board was sort of feeling a sense of that we really needed to step into um, some improvements in care, what what was getting in the way of um, people accessing our mental health care, how could we improve timely access, making sure all levels of staff in our organization were clinically responsive. And so as a psychologist, it that was part of my my charge, if you will, what I was charged with. But more importantly, um, and why this process um, with Thrive Impact has been so important to us is that I was also charged with what is the organizational culture? What was the staff morale? How we were perceived in the community? Because it was becoming increasingly clear to the board and those of us who had been here for a while, like myself, that we really weren't going to experience those benefits in care and being able to provide better mental health care if we didn't 
also focus on the org culture and the staff wellness and what our connections and collaboration looked like with our community partners. So it was it was a clinical charge, but more importantly, it was an organizational charge. Mm. Well, and you know, that's a lot for a board to say, all right, welcome new CEO. You need to fix all these issues. <laughs> right. Yep. And you know, what's interesting, I'm curious, is um, you had a you had a lot on your plate. Mm-hmm. And you know, strategic planning, a strategic planning process is time, it's resources, it's energy. And you chose to go down this path of tackling many of those issues, which were not necessarily strategic planning oriented issues, quote unquote, but you still chose to go down a strategic planning process. Why was that the case? Like, and why, why did you decide to go down that path? I mean, the easy answer is, you know, it was time, it was due, right? Like our previous strategic plan technically had a date ending of 2019, but then got extended to 2020. And so, you know, the idea of, oh, we're gonna extend it and extend it and not not embark on that process again, um, just wouldn't have set right with me. Um, so that's the easy answer, right? It was time. Sure. Um, but I do think that the the changing environment or landscape of mental health treatment the challenges our staff were experiencing the i mean we shifted from a barely telehealth agency to doing almost all of our services via telehealth in two weeks in march of 2020 and so you know that's was a few months before i officially became the, the the ceo and so like that really in my mind necessitated needing to pause reflect and say okay who do we need to be in this new landscape Mm. um you know and and i think it also went back to the if it's not just about providing good care and we're making that connection of the culture and the organization is also important then we need to think about what is the organization's direction, where are we headed, you know, who do we want to be, what are our values, how are we going to show up um, in the world moving forward. So it it was it was the right time. It mm. just was the right time. Mm. Well, and I think a lot of if you're listening to this podcast, many people have, are finding themselves in those. Even if it's not the right time, maybe it's still the right time, right? If it's yeah. Like whether you have a strategic plan sitting on the shelf gathering dust and you need to re-energize that, but we're, many of us are finding ourselves at these types of inflection points, essentially, right? Where we need to co-create our future. And speaking of that, the process we went through, and we've talked about this in some of the podcast episodes, was very, uh, was uh, actually the term that kept being brought up was non-traditional, quote unquote, (laughs) but it was a um, bottom-up co-created oriented approach. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, we talk about the use of appreciative inquiry and co-creation in one of the episodes. And I'm curious, what, what, what about this approach did you love? And also, what was challenging about this approach from your perspective? What I love about it is the idea that all voices are part of the process. And some might say, well, the traditional process allows that too like with surveys or interviews. Um, But all of the voices came together Mm. to be heard. So it wasn't as if um, 
the board or the senior leadership team got to hear all the different voices. Everybody got to hear all the different voices. Um, so for me, that's like starting the process of developing the org culture and creating connection during the process, right? Mm. Instead of, I think what the more traditional approach is, sees the development of the strategic plan as very separate from the implementation of the strategic plan. And it's mm. like there's a check mark where it's done. But really, we began implementing the strategic plan before we even knew what it was during the process because we were creating those connections we were hearing all of the voices we were you know just doing all of the things that happen with this more bottom-up co-created approach which fit with you know who we needed to become um, as a community mental health center mm. i really love how you said that that yeah many times traditional will bring in voices but in through a filter of a consultant or a filter of a leadership a board chair, whatever, but that it was about the voices coming together, that not the voices going through a filter, but the voices hearing the voices, right? right. It was Which, a, it was the, it was your staff hearing each other, not through something. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that allowed the, the impact of the voices to be exemplified or to build off one another, right? It created an, an, an energy that, for some people, right, maybe that are more introverted or think introvertedly in introvert kind of ways, you know, maybe they're going to do their best thinking in a survey. You know, I'm kind of an external thinker and I do my best thinking by hearing and interacting with people. Um, so somebody's going to get their best ideas out of me in, in conversation, mm. um, not in a survey. Um, and so us using all of those approaches, right, allowing conversations where people were together. I mean, we still did surveys. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of allowed it really to come together in, in a just in a better way that really just kind of energized mm. uh, the whole process. So what I hear you saying is, is that all voices were able to be brought in in the way in which many people were wanted to bring their voice and their best their voice, whether it was, you know, through a, through a writing it out. Uh, whether it was through speaking it out. Um, I know we did some creative exercises, maybe it was through drawing it out, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Or we did an artifact exercise where people had to go find an, 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 a symbol that represented their leadership. Like, so all these different sort of uh, ways of voices coming in was important, or including uh, some of your deaf participants who are on your staff, right? And making sure that their voice was coming in uh, through an ASL interpreter, um, but all right. those different voices coming in the way that the voice is able to come in. Right, exactly. And um, you, you bring up that particular group of our staff um, that I did a little bit of extra work, legwork, um, sometimes making sure that group had access if we were going to read something in a meeting or if there was going to be um, something with some more significant um, words and verbiage that they had access to it ahead of time um, so they could and also gave them opportunity to give written feedback if that was easier. Um, um, so yeah, it exactly. All voices together, not through a filter, in the way that was best for each person. Mm. I mean, that's really what I love about the approach. Yeah, which really gets into inclusivity. We talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion 
all the time in the world that we exist in and we should and more of that those conversations need to be happening uh, but how might we apply those to the very meetings that we have the very processes that we do to where we're going out of our way to make sure that those voices are able to be brought in, in an inclusive way because we have a diversity of voices in your organization you have a you have a lot of people in your organization right yeah and there's yeah. a diversity of voices for sure right and and it goes again back to what i was saying about it's not a plan and then an implementation right so if our plan ultimately says oh we need you know dei work diversity equity inclusion work but we don't actually do inclusion in the process of creating that plan we're just talking talk right wow. how do we start walking the walk actually in the strategic planning process and that's what this bottom-up co-created approach really allowed us to do wow that's really good uh, i'm curious what was challenging about this approach or this process what can comes up for you around anything that uh, uh yeah that was challenging or that maybe unexpected you're like oh we need to figure this part out, you know, that kind of a thing. Well, you already mentioned uh, the word that kept coming up was non-traditional. This is non-traditional. This is non-traditional. Um, so we did need to do some extra legwork and probably could have even done a little bit more um, yeah, sure. to get some of the board and staff buying into doing things um, a little bit differently. Um, I think as the process went on, it was certainly there. Um, but it was challenging in the beginning, um, and, and rightfully so, right? I mean, people have um, something that comes to their mind when they think about strategic planning and that process, um, and we were providing them with something different. Um, yeah. And so we we just needed maybe to to bring that in a little bit more. Well, yeah, and I'm you know, for example, I'm reflecting too, like um, you know, the core of a strategic plan, mission, vision, values. Uh, or vision, mission, values, core values. And, you know, our approach is, uh, this approach is definitely a more emergent approach, meaning we don't come in and say, what are your core values? And then wordsmith there, we, we, uh, we discover it through a journey of these conversations. And I think that's where it seemed like is that this non-traditional approach is a little more emergent, meaning core values come, they came and we were gathering them along the way. We just didn't blatantly say that yet. Right. We didn't say these are core values. What is your mission? What is your vision? We instead ask questions of what has been the best of who you are? Uh, right. What is it that you actually want? You know, what are we celebrating about our, our organization, and the impact we're able to have? And those started to shape what these were on the back end of the process, as opposed to hitting it on the front end. Right. And, and I think that's that's hard for some people because they want a linear check the box. We have this check the box. We have this way of of doing things um, mm -hmm. where the the very art of co-creation is allowing things to emerge more organically right yeah. we didn't say we're having a conversation about values today right? <laughs> right. We, we had a conversation about who are we who do we want to be what are our strengths what's the best of who we are right and from that it was clear and there was a lot of synergy around what are the values that we knew we wanted to to have and embrace moving forward. Yeah. In, you know, another ch another challenge for me, um, and I think it's even for my whole team, right? As leaders, we're often trained to be the experts, to come mm. in with the answers, 
Um, and there were many points throughout the process where I easily could have said, these are our values. This is our mission statement, right? Like, um, but I had to constantly take the time to slow down and remember to allow the time, you know, for all the voices to emerge because ultimately we got to a better, more polished place, even if it wasn't completely divergent from my opinion or a decision I could have made, but it just, it, it allowed it to be more, have more depth to it and allowed it once created to already have, the buy-in and the voices of the staff. So like when we brought this to the staff, kind of unveiling the plan that got agreed upon, they could see their voices in it. Yeah. Instead of, oh, if I made all the decisions, they would only see my voice in it. Mm. Um, but it is challenging as a leader who's trained to be the expert, right? As the doctor, have the answers, as, right? Have the, right, it's, mm. it's a challenge to remember to allow the process, to trust the process, as you know, we might say in, in uh, therapy in our mental health world. Wow. Hmm. You know, you're kind of hitting on voices, and that's a an element of data. Uh, mm-hmm. Like data is really a whole bunch of voices in many ways of looking at it. Uh, and during the process, we gathered a lot of data, mm-hmm. um, and we leveraged a group called the synthesis team to literally synthesize. I like to call the synthesis team the deeper listeners. Mm-hmm. Right, they're more deeply listening, not just synthesizing, but deeply listening into what are what was what was the staff and the board and the community actually saying here, and just kind of curious, um, what surprised you about just the data uh, that came? What surprised you about uh, you know what came out in terms of that? Well, first, there's how much of it there was, um, Right, how will you ask a question and the amount of answers um, that you get. Um, but within that, there was both convergent and divergent ideas at the same time. Mm. Right? There were a lot of themes that were easily emerged, but then there would be one or two not quite connected to the others, but so super important. And had mm. we missed those voices, we, we may have missed something. Um, so that it was surprising um, because I, I think going into the process, we assume, right, it's mental health. The field hasn't changed that much, right? There's going to be a lot of convergence and synergy, but there was also divergence. Hmm. Yeah. And how um, do you, how do you, yeah. how do you wrangle that as a synthesis team? You know? Yeah. 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 And, and I think, you know, we did wrangle it as, as a synthesis team, you know, by looking for where were the themes or what was the essence of an idea, mm-hmm. right? Maybe there was something in the data that we knew, oh, that doesn't quite fit, but maybe there was something underneath it that did fit. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that was part of the craft of, of the synthesis team to take that breadth and depth of ideas that were really more than we could have um, imagined ourselves. And again, I think it came out of that creativity and that connection. You know, here came all all these thoughts and ideas and data from the staff, from the community, from, you know, just what's what's the impact of the changing landscape and all of that. You know, as a part of this and being on the synthesis team, 
uh, you know, one of the things that we talk about in our approach is building a learning organization, right? That's um, mm -hmm. your ability to be relevant uh, is not based on some single point in time where you created the plan and now you implement. I liked how you shared that earlier, right? Um, but it's really based on your ability to adapt and learn over time. I'm curious, what did you and your team learn from this process of deeply listening, of synthesizing and applying this data in an iterative way? Um, certainly, like kind of I already mentioned, like that idea of looking for themes, looking for convergence, even in the divergence, um, the allowing of all ideas and then prioritizing them is part of learning. Um, one of the other things that I think was helpful for the team was just all ideas are valid, right? Like every single one of them, even if if like if it's an innovative idea or an implementation idea. Well, maybe now is not the time for a variety of reasons, but we can catalog that data. We can honor the spirit of it, that essence I was talking about mm -hmm. it within something else. Um, something just came up recently in a meeting where um, one of the staff who was facilitating literally modeled exactly what we did in some of the meetings <laughs> oh, um, awesome. where the person owned I'm an extrovert and could quickly just move on, but I'm gonna pause for a moment and give the introverts among us a little bit of time to process just to see what else might emerge in our conversation. Wow. Um, and that is something that we modeled um, in the process, right? Yeah. So, and I think that that too kind of shows the learning part that people really took on um, the appreciative inquiry, and just some of those other things that this process mm. modeled for them and are using it in other parts mm. of the organization with, you know, directors using it with their teams and those kinds of things. I love that. Like basically that because they were a part of, you know, going back to voices being involved because they were, their voices were involved in voices to voice, you know, mm -hmm. that they were able to experience different ways of facilitating. Cause like, I mean, you know this, Cynthia, like all of us are facilitators. If you're gathering any form of people in any way, shape or form, a meeting, like you're creating the conditions for allow for that to be an inclusive experience or a non-inclusive experience. We've all been a part of board meetings where you've had the silent majority and the vocal minority, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's based upon how a facilitator sets things up in the first place. That's and right. so what you're saying is it sounds like your team was able to gather uh, ways to create that space to like continue that process. Like the strategic planning happened at the beginning of the process uh, and was in the process and they continue to learn and grow from uh, modeling it and doing it uh, over the course of a few months. Yeah. 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 And I think really just learning the respect for all voices um, mm -hmm. was part of it. And um, I also think there's part of being the learning organization that takes the pressure off, right? So we've done things now like about celebrating our not successes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because this is an iterative process, just like our strategic planning process was, right? Our operations could also be iterative. What could we learn from how poorly that went? Um, and so I think that constant that allowance for learning just makes people um, be more be able to be more authentic. Mm. Say when it didn't work, so that we can learn from the process and, and get better in it. And I think you know this 
bottom-up co-created strategic planning, um, again, allowed us to walk that walk from the top all the way down, yeah. um, which just really shows it's a value for our organization. Mm. Before the last question, Cynthia, I had another one I wanted to ask you, which is co-creation, I think, is it can be intimidating, and particularly in a way of, um, like, you talked about all ideas are valid, mm. but I, I can't do all the ideas, right? We can't do all the things that everybody wants. How do you deal with that? Because mm -hmm. right? <laughs> there's a fear there that if I open up the co-creation space, now I have to do everything in a sense. But that's not necessarily the case. And no. but there's a fear there. And I don't know if you had that fear. I'm curious your thoughts and reflections on that. And and what would you say to a CEO out there who's who's wanting to go this but has some trepidation around co-creation? I would definitely say I had moments of that fear for sure. Right. Much like the I needed the reminder to I don't need to be the expert. I don't have to have the answers. Yeah. Right. There's that fear of, oh, I got to do all this, do all this. No. Um, ha how I move through it and I think the response to it is authenticity. And so constantly saying and genuinely saying all these ideas are great. Unfortunately, regulations don't allow us to do them. Or in order to get to that idea, I've got to do two or three steps of legwork, like cultivate more donors or figure out a revenue stream before I can do it. But I've got it. I've got a pin in it. Thank you for that idea. Mm -hmm. right? And just being open about the why not now mm. or appreciating what was great about the idea. Yeah. And then saying, and, you know, I keep, not right now because of dot dot dot. Sure. I'm just being open about that, and mm -hmm. that to me is the way to to have to manage mm -hmm. that. And I think people loved it. I mean, mm -hmm. people are still talking about how amazing it is to just have their voices heard. Well, and and that's where you kind of get back to this: the foundation of any great strategy is a space of belonging, right. which is like, uh, do we feel heard? And that just because somebody shares an idea doesn't mean you have to do it. Right. And that's also where the synthesis team came in too, right? Mm -hmm. It was, we opened up that aperture, right? Real big on a variety of different things. Like how might we questions around culture and got tons of ideas. I mean, we have pages and pages mm -hmm. and we were able to synthesize those down. Part of our work was synthesizing and then your work as a synthesis team too. To like, as you said earlier, what's the essence of this? Mm -hmm. And also you hit on something I think is so important um, is, is the sequencing, right? that's a great idea. Let's make sure like that is probably for two years out, right? It does. It just isn't now. We don't have to do all the things now. And I, I remember going through this process with you and noticing uh, when you were talking about taking the pressure off, mm -hmm. helping people to feel like we don't have, like, especially the census team, they would see all those ideas and think, oh crap, initially. Mm -hmm. And then we were able to take the pressure off of saying, oh, no, this isn't, we're not doing all these all now, right now, right? All the things all now. Right. We're like, creating a direction, right? I always like to, in, in New Hampshire, we have like two main highways. That might seem weird to people from bigger states, but we have two main highways and one goes relatively north to south and the other kind of towards the west because mm -hmm. um, we're on the east coast. Right. So um, I always like to say things like as long as we're on the right highway, 
right, of where we're headed. We might take an exit ramp, we might sightsee along the way, but but are we on the right highway? And so I I think of the strategic direction like that, right? And all of these ideas and the things that got generated, right? We might have to take an exit ramp or two before I can get to your idea, but if it's on the right path, it's gonna get incorporated. Mm Right. If you give me an idea that's on the other path, well, mm, mm-hmm. maybe not. But let me see if there's something about your idea that can apply. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's mm. it's an analogy I often use. Um, I love that analogy. Make, it makes sense here. Too. Yeah. And it really is not a strategic plan that's like done. It's a direction that we're learning into. Exactly. In a sense. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, for my final question, which is a, a little bit of a loaded one, but it's really like kind of almost going back to why at the beginning in the first place, but what was made possible for you? What was made possible for your team in this process? And what was made possible for your community that you're noticing already um, by going through and choosing to do this type of a path and a process? Oh, there's so much to this question, Tucker. So I'm glad you recognize it's a loaded question. so you mentioned, right, I'm a relatively new CEO, right? I'm officially in the role for a year and a half or so. Um, now kind of having this strategic direction and having gone through the experience, right? It gave it gave myself, my board, my team, just kind of this shared understand, uh, understanding and experience that we can now kind of anchor into as a foundation that we can build on, kind of mm. like a a shared language or direction, like for me, that I feel like I can um, come back to. Um, more interestingly, even when we were having some conversations about core values, um, one of the board members um, spoke up and said, well, this value of empowering needs to also apply to Cynthia. Mm. And how do we as a board empower Cynthia more? Mm. Uh, because you can imagine, right, as a new CEO, maybe they've been a little more um, hesitant Hands to give on. me authority, <laughs> sure. right? Like there may be a st- little stricter delegation of authority than a more seasoned CEO. Mm. Um, and so that was amazing, right? And mm-hmm. had we not gone through this process of, you know, co-creating the values alongside the board and talking about how it applies across the agency, I'm not sure that same recognition or realization would have occurred in quite the same dramatic way, which, you know, to me was a moment of relief. We truly are on the right path yeah. and, and helped me in my moments of, I can't do this to feel re-energized that no, 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 I can Mm. do this. There are people that are trying to create an empowering environment for me um, as well. And I love the phrase that you gave to empowering in your core values, which is creating the conditions to allow essentially for you to thrive, for exactly. people to thrive, right? The underlying conditions that allow, and it's like that love extra level of thought mm-hmm. and that the board member noticed that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what was made possible for your team in this? What kind of stories came out and what was made possible there? I mean, certainly I think about my leadership team, right? We were already doing some work about connecting um, amongst us, especially, but this has really allowed people to connect with people across the agency. I mean, you can imagine, right? I mean, you mentioned we're a staff of 
you know, 260 something like that. Um, right now it changes every day <laughs> right. um, in the current com, uh, culture of workforce. But um, but we could, can get siloed, right, where we might not interact with one another. And so it really created some avenues of connection. Then people would have an interaction in a meeting and then be like, oh, we need to follow up and just created this ripple effect of connection um, across the mm. agency that's um, that's happening. I think the the team, the inline staff um, being valued and knowing their ideas were important has also had a ripple effect. So not too long after one of our workshops in the middle of the process, um, a relatively new inline staff person noticed something and went to not even her manager, but like a manager's manager, so a director level person and just said, hey, I noticed this and I have this idea. And it was such a great idea. We literally implemented it the next day. Um, but it came on the heels of this creative workshop and where mm. we were talking about what what could be. Um, and I'm not sure that would have happened had this process not been there. Um, yeah. So people feel comfortable giving feedback and providing um, ideas. We also had a, a staffer um, who had given um, their notice um, and their manager told them to still come to the workshop, even though the workshop was within their resignation period. No, come. You're still part of the team. It's about generating ideas. We want you to come and be here. Um, that staffer was going to stay with us kind of like moonlighting part-time here or there went um for their first day at their new job and then called us and said i don't want to leave um that the <laughs> culture and conversation that they were having at wow. that other place was not at all right like the culture they again we're seeing us walk the walk not just talk it in this right. process mm. i mean there are all kinds of stories um, and yeah. things like that uh, for the team, you know, that are happening. So. You know, and Cynthia, um, before we get into what, what you're noticing with the community, you know, one of the innovations that we actually did with you that came, I think, um, came from your and, and, you know, Jim Jordan, who's on the board and some of the other board members, the impetus there was we need to have, you know, um, if we want to lead well in the world, we need to lead well within our organization. Right. And how do we not just have impact measures out in the world around ex excellent care and us as an agency <clears throat> and empowering the community, but how do we have impact measures that we're measuring all in, in our strategic plan, right? Mm -hmm. This internal meets external. Mm -hmm. What did that do when the staff, um, if you notice, what did, what is that doing for the organization and, and blatantly acknowledging in a very, you know, public uh, direct document around our strategic direction over the next five years, we are measuring these things about our own well-being, right? Our own mental health. What have you noticed that that's done for the organization? I mean, I think it goes back to that idea of belonging, seeing, hearing people, right? That people are important, um, and we're not—we're not just a system that delivers a product. We're a system of humans. So yes. in order to deliver that product, we have to take care of the humans in our system. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, of course, in the mental health field, I think our staff get that, right? Because sure. it's something we often preach, um, but don't necessarily walk ourselves. 
Um, and so I think it just to see it truly valued um, on paper, in writing, Explicit. with their CEO giving yeah. commitment to it is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. We care about you. Yeah actually and we're measuring it too to make sure that right. you're okay right. part of my yeah. performance measure as the ceo is how healthy is our organization wow uh what was made possible just that you've noticed so far and i mean this is a relatively finalized or recently finalized mm -hmm. strategic direction uh, but what have you noticed so far that's made, been made possible for your community and the people you serve and the partners that you work with and all that i think it's very similar to like with the staff right they they were invited into the process, so they saw us in action, right? They're, we were actively seeking their input, their collaboration. They got to hear one another, right? Where we didn't do them individually. We brought them all together. Yeah. Um, and so I think it just set the foundation for true collaboration. Again, right? Mm. I'm not in it for me. I'm in it for us, for our community. And... I think that just came out and it was clear. So we, we've already had a few reach outs from others like who are working on their own strategic plans, who heard about what we did. Um, I had uh, two different organizations say, hey, what questions did you ask again? And you know, how did you go about collecting that data? Because we want to we do a little of that too. And of course they struggled yeah. with, oh, do it completely untraditionally, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> right, right. But it, fascinating to support some other organizations and at least bringing in pieces of of what yeah. we did if they weren't ready to take the big jump. Um, yeah, the healthy I would call it a healthy risk, right? Like as a CEO, I took a healthy risk in embarking yeah. on this, you know, non-traditional bottom up co-created process with you. And it has done nothing but. Um, give us a return on investment that really I don't know that we can quantify. Wow. Wow. Well, um, you may or may not have it ready, but I'm curious just for, for sake of like, we did a lot of this work. What's your mission and your vision, Cynthia? What is, what was, yeah, what was co-created? Um, and you know, some of the pieces around your impact period, this is like a way of testing it out because this is still fresh, right? It is still this very is still fresh. a strategic direction. Um, but you, I mean, you even said this earlier in our prep that somebody has already started to use this language, mm -hmm. uh, in, in community conversations, it's become organically coming out, uh, by na naturally, which is yeah. great, but curious just to like, tell us a little bit about your organization. Yeah, so our, our vision statement is that we envision or we really want to see a community in which all individuals and families have access to the transformational integrated mental health services they need in order to live hopeful, fulfilling lives. And so our mission statement, how we hope to make that vision happen is by empowering all people to thrive through excellent care, community engagement, and a commitment to innovation and growth. Mm. And then you've mentioned your core values mm. many times, because that's been a big part of this process and that they're not just words on a page, but but uh, would you mind sharing what's the value? Maybe that uh, the little sentence below it. Yeah, sure. So that gives some color to it. Um, we we ended up with four core values. So collaborative that we work together to achieve our collective goals compassionate, we care about each other 
and our community. So there was another shout out to the each other right in there that it's not just about mm -hmm. compassionate to those that need mental health services. Empowering, we can create conditions that allow people to thrive. Uh, and authentic, we show up as we are and accept others as they are. Mm. And then uh, I'm curious, what's your favorite one that you'd bring in the to live this out? Like, because some of the problem with core values is they become mm. like, you know, words on a wall. And we're like, oh, that's a nice word. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. But we, I know we went through the process of what does this even mean in living it out? Uh, I'm curious if you'd share just one of yeah. them, uh, one of those around whichever one you feel compelled. It's to. interesting that you bring that up in a manager meeting um, just yesterday one of the directors of one of our departments said the best part about the values was the to live out this value we section. Mm. Um, and so for empowering as an example, so we create conditions that allow people to thrive. People might be like, well, what is that, right? So to live out this value, we maintain hope for each other and our community. We honor and promote the freedom to choose from many paths. We utilize practices and provide resources that promote inclusion and support well-being for people of all abilities and identities, right? So mm. it goes from this kind of, well, how do we create an environment? This is how. We honor, we hope, yeah. we, you know, use inclusive practices. Yeah. Mm. Well, Cynthia, uh, this has just been such a delightful conversation. I uh, I so respect and honor and appreciate your leadership. Um, you are uh, you are the type of a nonprofit leader that I think many would like to be like. Mm -hmm. To be honest, uh, and watching you and the way you you consciously chose, right? You mentioned it multiple times where some of those old habits maybe of what leadership is supposed to be. You paused many times. You noticed what you were, what was going on, and you chose actually these values. Mm -hmm right? Whether you knew them or not at that point, but you know, you chose them. And I just want to acknowledge and appreciate you for being such a mission driven uh, leader and courageously stepping into this. Um, and I th it sounds like your courage is paying mm -hmm. off, uh, which is great. And so I just appreciate you so much and what you bring into the people that you're going to serve in, in the greater Nashville region of New Hampshire. Oh, thank you so much, Tucker. And, and really appreciate you and the, the whole team just being such a support for this process and, and allowing it to emerge um, even when it got messy uh, and then yeah. when it was beautiful and co-created toward the end. So mm -hmm. just thank you too uh, for, for yeah. working with us. Mm. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening in to our podcast today. Uh, as usual, we'll have some uh, links to the show notes um, we'll, uh, in any, any of the things that we talked about today. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you on the next iteration, the next version, the next episode of Thrivers, uh, the podcast around nonprofit leadership for the next normal. So thank you, Cynthia. Y'all have a great day. Mm -hmm.